great to have you here. Um, and Mike said, as Mike said, we're, we're all about growing you to leave, live big. That's what we're doing. Every time we meet, everything we do is all about growing you to live big. big. And that's what we're going to do in our series this Easter as well. This series uh, is called Risen, and we're going to be talking about the resurrection. And uh, it's, uh, we're really excited about it. It's going to be um, a really... Uh, a really good series, and, and, and as I said already, what my heart is and my belief is, is for life transformation. I don't want this to just be another teaching, sir. I don't want it to just be another Sunday. I don't want this to just turn up week after week and just go through the... Re- I want to see change in my life. Does, does anybody else want to see change in their life? Life transformation, yeah? Change in our community. I want to see God. Wasn't Annabelle incredible last week? Let's, is Annabelle here? She's not here. Well, she was absolutely, hearing her story of transformation, how God met her and brought a miracle into her life, sh- that was just incredible. And that's what I'm believing for, more and more miracles like that. More and more stories of God transforming lives, marriages restored, families coming together, communities set free, people healed and set free from sickness. All of these things are part of the, the dream and, and the vision of what we're believing for, stories of, of transformation. I, I, I saw a, a story recently in the news, and, and actually I do this quite a lot. Occasionally you see stories in the news, don't you? And you think, that, that doesn't sound true. That sounds ridiculous. Why is that even in the, that's a mental story. You know those kind of stories like, how, how did that even happen? And I saw one of these and, and what, every time I see them, I always put them in my phone and think, oh, remember that. I'll preach on that one day. Or, you know, it's, it's always an illustration somewhere. So I'm always collecting stories. And uh, I, I, so I've got a few stories that I've collected over recent months of just r- really random news stories. Uh, the first one was this one. I'll put some photos up to help you. Uh, and this story was of an American airline. I don't know if you saw this, uh, but they had to divert their flight, land at a different uh, airport because there was a guy on the plane who would refuse to stop doing pull-ups from the overhead passenger thing. He's there. Like it was bicep day and nothing was stopping him, okay? So he was just going. And and apparently he was a bit intoxicated, so they had to divert the plane to, to land the plane somewhere else and kick him off the plane. Uh, here's another one for you. It's a funny story. Uh, so this one is really interesting, actually. This was a British family posted in the, the newspaper a job advert for a photographer to join them on their holiday and take all of their holiday photos, okay? And the salary was £100,000, and they would travel the world with this British family, taking photos of them making sunset love heart hands all around the world, and get paid for an incredible venture. I mean, what a job that would be. That was, I just love that story. I thought I was incredible. I didn't get the job, but... Never mind, here's another one. Uh, this is a photo, another plane story. Um, and uh, there was a lady recently who, it, I think this was Leon Air, got onto the plane and her ticket number didn't exist. In fact, the next seat aisle was the toilet aisle. So that was her, that was her allocated seat, was the toilet. But to be honest, I reckon there's probably more space in that toilet than there is. In those potty-sized seats, isn't there? So she probably got a good deal. Anyway, that was a crazy story. I love, I loved this one as well. This was another great one. Oh, this is Air Asia, and uh, they've they've got a bit of a bad rep for mistreating your luggage. 
And so they did a marketing campaign to show you how much they love your luggage. <laughs> so they, they got loads of these photos of them just kissing your luggage, basically, to show you they love it. And then last one I found as well, this was a good one. You might have saw this one a bit closer to home. Banksy's artwork sold for £1.4 million and immediately it self-destructed itself. What a ridiculous story. But I love that. That was incredible. And, uh, and I love those kind of news stories. And, and this, as we've said already, this Easter, we're talking about the resurrection. It's, the, it's a good news story. It's, uh, if there were newspapers around in those times, it would be the story that would make the headlines. Uh, it would be one of those stories. I mean, not, not the crucifixion. I mean, people just people were being crucified. That wasn't really anything quite abnormal. People die. That's normal. What would have made the papers is the resurrection. You know, you, you, don't often, you don't often read the, the Israel Sunday Gazette to see the headline saying, the crucified guy from Friday decrucified himself on Sunday. That's not the, the headline you would see. That's the one that's going to sell the papers, though, isn't it? Because the, re- the, the resurrection is, is one of those stories where you're like, that's like clickbait. That is, I want to know about what that's going on. That's the headline that will will sell. And it's an incredible good news story. And, and, and in fact, why, why we're talking about the resurrection is because the resurrection is what the whole of Christianity revolves around. I think we've got a quote. Yeah, the resurrection is the event around which all Christianity revolves. Not the crucifixion, the resurrection. The whole of Christianity revolves around this one thing, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection is not just the story. The resurrection is the story. It's the main event. It's what it's all about. And Christ's resurrection brought about an incredible change of direction for the believers at that time. Can you imagine that moment when, when, the, when the disciples saw Jesus again after, after three days of him being crucified and dead in a grave, suddenly Jesus appears to them again. And that point, at that point where, where he met with them, can you imagine where they would have been? They, they, their lives were, they had given up their lives to follow somebody who just became another dead somebody. They literally gave up their families. They gave up their jobs. They gave up their, fu- they literally gave everything up to follow him and he's just been killed. And that's it, the end. The, the direction of their heart, the direction of their, their religion was towards the grave. They were sad. They would have been depressed. They would have been, there would have been sorrow and anguish. Uh, they, they started to go back to their own jobs and, and go back to kind of just insignificance, really. Their, their lives had lost all meaning and direction. They were just like, oh. But then Jesus appears to them. Can you imagine that moment? And they realize Jesus is alive. Suddenly, all of that Suddenly all of that, uh, their, their lives has found direction again. Suddenly they find joy again. There must have been so much elation as they, as they touched Jesus, as they, as they spoke with Jesus. 
three days after he had died. Uh, can you imagine that moment that they must have felt like when they realized that, that it's not over, that they can keep going, that, that he must be, it must be true what he said. And, and, and it's incredible. And it's, you and I can experience that same moment today. You and I can experience that same moment today. The effect is similar without the resurrection. Without the resurrection, you and I, we're just, we're just stumbling towards our doomed graves. Uh, we're stumbling through life towards our graves. But if the resurrection is true, then we to turn from a doomed and pointless existence towards a life of hope, both now and in eternity. If the resurrection is true, you and I, we've got hope again. We've got life again. There's, uh, there's suddenly, there's something to live for. We can live in that moment, the same moment the disciples lived in. We can start over again. We can have joy again. We can have purpose in our lives again. The resurrection is such a big deal. But the question I've got for you, the question is this. Much like some of those, those news stories we just talked about, the question is, do you believe it? Do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe that Jesus actually died, spent three days in a tomb, and then somehow was alive again? Do you believe the resurrection happened? Paul was faced with the same issue in the Corinthian church, okay? This is not a new question. The Corinthian church asked this question. Let me read it to you. It's in the book of Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 12 to 20, it says, The message we preached is Christ, who has been raised from the dead. So how could any of you possibly say there is no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no such thing as the resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. From the has not, has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised... And if Christ has not been raised... All of our preaching has been for nothing, and your faith is useless. These are strong words from Paul. Moreover, if the dead are not raised, then what would it would it mean that uh, it would mean that all of that we are false witnesses who are misrepresenting God, and that w would mean that we have preached a lie, stating that God raised him from the dead, if in reality he didn't. If the dead aren't raised up, then that would mean that Christ has not been raised up either. And if Christ is not alive, you are still lost in your sins and your faith is a fantasy. It would also mean that those believers in Christ who have passed away have simply perished. If the only benefit of our hope is Christ in Christ is it limited to this life on earth, then we deserve to be pitied more than all others. But the truth is Christ has risen from the dead as the first fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died. If you're taking notes today, then the title of my message is Faith or Fantasy. Did you hear, did you hear that line in the passage? It, 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 if, if the resurrection isn't true, then, then, then your, your faith is just a fantasy. It's just useless. I mean, seriously, it is, it's, it's just it's not worth it. But that's crazy, isn't it? Uh, how can people in the church not believe in the resurrection. Surely that's kind of a given as part of being in church. You believe in, in the resurrection, right? But Paul was facing an issue in the Corinth church 
where they began to start believing that somehow, somehow they started to believe that the resurrection might just be a fantasy. In fact, you might be surprised to learn that in a recent survey, this is 2018, commissioned by the BBC, a significant number, I think nearly 50% of people who claim to be Christians, followers of Christ, do not believe in the resurrection. 50, that's half of you. Do not believe, maybe not you lot, because you're, you're, you're in a good church. Fifty. <laughs> percent of people do not believe in the resurrection. My suggestion to them would be to go and read this passage in Corinthians, because I think Paul's making it quite clear that the resurrection is everything. The whole of Christianity hinges on the resurrection. Without the resurrection, our faith is useless. It's just a fantasy. To put it another way, Paul says this, to take the resurrection out of Christianity is like taking the sun out of our galaxy everything else collapses. Taking the resurrection out of Christianity is like taking the internet off of a teenager. The world collapses. It is no more. Everything in the Christian faith revolves around the resurrection of Jesus. Paul also says this in this passage, and, and, and I love this. Uh, I don't know if you caught this line. It said, if the only benefit of our hope is in Christ is limited to this life on earth, we deserve to be pitied more than all the others. If, if the resurrection is true, then you and I, you and I deserve to be pitied. People should feel sorry for us. Why should we be pitied? Well, because if there's no resurrection, then everything we believe in is useless. In fact, right now, you and I, we are wasting our Sundays. We are wasting our lives. If the resurrection isn't true, you, I'm telling you now, I'm your pastor, you can go home and go and do something with your life, okay? Because if the resurrection isn't true, this is just a big waste of time. It's a waste of time if the resurrection didn't happen. The resurrection is central to the, to the Christian faith, so, so it's pointless, and so... We should be pitied because we would be singing to a saviour who cannot save himself, let alone save anyone else. We would be praying to a dead man who cannot answer. We would be serving a God who does not exist. Can you see why we should be pitied? Can you see what Paul's trying to say in this passage? The resurrection is so, so important. Can you imagine what worship would be like if the resurrection didn't happen? Can you imagine what our, so I, don't know, I don't know if you can imagine what the songs would be like if we took the resurrection out of, our praise goes up to nobody. I mean, you can see why Paul was saying we would be pitied. Uh, we would be singing to 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 nobody. Uh, uh, if the resurrection didn't happen, we should be pitied. Because he didn't overcome the grave, and therefore there is no hope for our future. Uh, there is no victory. There is no hope. There is no victory. There is no future. The resurrection is the most important belief or the most important fact of the Christian faith. 
faith. If you take the resurrection out of our songs, not only do they get very humorous, they get very depressing. <laughs> they get very depressing. Because the way you laughed at me is the way people will laugh at us. We're to be pitied. We're to be pitied. I'm happy to make myself a fool for Jesus. <laughs> I love this quote in C.S. Lewis. He said this, The New Testament writers speak as if Christ's achievement in rising from the dead was the first of its kind in the whole of history of the universe. He is the first fruits, the pioneer of life. He has forced open a door that has been locked since the death of the first man. He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death. Everything is different because he has done so. What an incredible quote from that incredible theologian and author C.S. Lewis. Everything is different because of the resurrection. It is that important. It makes a difference. Going back to our survey where I mentioned uh, a little while ago, the survey concluded that this, that whilst there was a great proportion of Christians that do not believe in the resurrection, that there is still a significant number of people, both religious and non-religious, who have some kind of belief in an afterlife. So, so there is still some belief out there that there is some kind of afterlife, um, and that's, that's shared both across religious and non-religious people. It still persists today. So I thought it would be good to finish this message today by just quickly looking at what are some of our options for the afterlife? Uh, and let's have a look and see what we, we think. And, and I'll let you be the judge uh, uh, as to what you, what you want to think. Uh, I'll let you decide. But um, what are some of the options that we have? So the first option we have is, is nothing. And, and there's the image I googled for it. There, uh, this is quite a popular secularist, atheistic view that when you die... You die. That is it. There is no more for you. You cease to exist. There is no life after death. There is no comfort in death. There is no future or hope. There is no purpose or meaning in our lives. We simply exist, and then one day we will cease to exist. This is the atheistic secularist view of death. Talking about death, an atheistic parent explained it like this to her children, and, and they do have slightly different views on this, but this was what one woman, uh, how she explains it to her children. She said, I've explained it to them like this, that some people believe God is waiting for them, but I don't believe that. I believe when you die, it's over, and you live on in the memory of the people you love and who love you. She said this week, I can't, she said to this, uh, she said to them, sorry, I can't offer you the comfort of a better place. Despite all the evils and the problems of this world, this is heaven. We're living in heaven. This is the best you're going to get. Imagine that message to your children. This is heaven, guys. Woo! This is the best it's going to get. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, I struggle with the atheistic worldview because it's pretty depressing. This is it. This is the best you're going to get. There is nothing else for you. Your life has no meaning or purpose. So this is option number one. We, we, we can choose to align ourselves to this thought pattern if we want to and, and believe that there's nothing after death. It's a hopeless existence, and I think it's bad news. There is no comfort this is an imperfect and messed up world, and this is the best we're going to get. Number two, the next option 
is reincarnation. This is another very popular option for the afterlife. It's kind of originates from Hinduism and, and other religions like Buddhism have, have, have taken it on too. And, and the idea behind reincarnation is that we all will come back again. We all have another life and another life and another life. Reincarnation is this ongoing life cycle. Uh, and what happens is, is that the quality of our life in the next life is really dependent on how well you live in this life. Uh, and that's the way reincarnation, oh, that's cute. Uh, uh, this is the way that reincarnation works. There is an afterlife, but how you live in this one determines the quality of the next. Now, that's, that's great news if you're Mel. I mean, you've you probably got a, a great future for you. But if you're Ben, <laughs> you need to start panicking. You could come back a king, or you could come back a red lip. Uh, what's it called? I've got the name here. A red lip crabfish, I think it's called. Did I? Oh, a red lipped batfish. I mean, you don't know. It just depends on how well. Ben, don't get your hopes up, mate. This is high. This is. This is. <laughs> yeah, this is. Yeah, this is the best it's getting. Uh, this is actually a fish that can't swim. <laughs> and it lives at the bottom of the ocean and, and it flaps around with its fins on the floor like this. And it's got really bright red lips. That's the red lip. I don't know what he did in a former life but he's a fish that can't swim now. And, and this is the idea of reincarnation, is that you could come back maybe as an animal, maybe as another human, maybe as a tree or a, or a plant, um, but the quality of your life in the future will be dependent on how you live today. They call this, this cycle of living, they call it samsara. It's a doctrine of cyclic and endless suffering and existence. The idea is that you keep being recycled life, after life, after life, unless, unless you can break free from the cycle by being so good and you achieve what they call, or, or the Buddhists call anyway, nirvana. You can break free from that cycle if you can achieve nirvana. But this is what you need to do to be able to achieve nirvana. Again, there's different views on how you can achieve nirvana, but this is the prominent thought. Uh, the first is this, you have to meditate regularly, okay? So just put that into your diary for every day this week. Get some meditation time in. If you don't want to be a, a red-lipped batfish, you're going to need to start meditating. Uh, the next thing you're going to have to do uh, is you're going to have to think objectively and critically about everything. And what that means is you're not allowed to involve your own feelings, desires, or concerns, You've got to remove yourself of all your own feelings, desires, and concerns and see everything from an objective point of view. And that will help you to break free from suffering. And the third one is this, that you need to, so you need to think right and then you need to have the right attitude and intentions at all times. You have to reject selfishness and you have to speak right as well. You have to think right, you have to have the right attitudes and you have to speak right. Not words that are harsh, not angry words. You haven't got to lose your temper. All of these things you've got to do to earn your way free from this cycle of suffering of life and death. Nirvana, to set free. You have to meet this standard of living. I don't know about you, but when you listen to those requirements, that leaves me slightly worried. I think I'm going to be with, with Ben on the, on the floor of an ocean somewhere <laughs> as a red-lipped batfish. Can I really free myself from all my own feelings and emotions? 
Can I really live that life where I'm not ever selfish? I don't know. It sounds like a lot to live for. I don't know if I'm that good, if I'm honest with you. I'm not sure I would get far in Hinduism or Buddhism. I think it's bad news for all of us to have a never-ending life cycle of suffering and death. That sounds like bad news to me. So it leaves us with this final option. It leaves us with the resurrection. We've already seen what Paul says about it. Paul Paul says this, he shows them how futile their faith is, doesn't he, without the resurrection. He shows them that it's not just part of the story, it is the story. The good news of the resurrection is that our greatest limitation, death, has been defeated. We have victory, it has been overcome, and we are coming back. Turn to the person next to you, and in your best Schwarzenegger voice, say, I'll be back. I'll be back. We are coming back. But what else, what else does the Bible say about the resurrection? I've picked a couple of verses to help us understand it. John eleven twenty five says this, I am the resurrection and the life, that no one who believes in me, the one, sorry, who believes in me will live, even though they die. Romans 10, 9 says this, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans five, uh, sorry, Revelation 21, 2 to 4 says this, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be, is that cut off at the bottom of the screen? God will be with them and he will be their God. This is the crucial verse, what a shame. He will wipe away every every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain for the former things have passed away. And Romans 5, 8 says this incredible verse. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, the Bible tells us and Paul tells us that there is a resurrection. There is life after death. That suffering will end. That pain and death has been defeated. There is hope in the resurrection. There is victory in the resurrection. What do we have to do, though, to experience this resurrection? Do, what do we need to do to, to get this hope and to get this life? Well, well, this is where the really good news is. Because that verse told us that all we have to do is declare with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and we will be saved. It's that simple. You don't need to go through the four steps of emptying yourself and all those things you have to do in reincarnation to try and prove you're good enough to break free from death and suffering, the Bible tells us all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus. Declare that he is Lord and you will be saved. But you say, surely that's too easy. There must be some part we have to do. There must be some part we have to play. Well, well, not really. Because even though we're still sinners, the Bible says, even though we can't always think right, even though we're not always selfless in everything, even though we don't always have the right attitude all the time, Christ still loves us. 
he still died for us. He said, whilst you were sinners, I died for you there in your mess, in your pain, in your suffering. You didn't have to try and free yourself from it. I loved you so much and I can free you from it myself if you would trust in me. We can't earn this life, this love and this eternal life through our good acts and kind behaviors. It can only be given to us as a gift from the person who has victory over sin and death. Jesus, bang, can you join me? I don't know about you, but for me, atheism is bad news. There's no more. There's no hope. You go home now and just do whatever you want with your life because there's no meaning or purpose. Reincarnation sounds nice on the outside, but when you look a bit closer, it's actually quite depressing. This endless cycle of death and suffering that nobody's ever going to be good enough to break free from. It all relies on you being good enough. It all relies on you. Or we have the resurrection. For me, the resurrection is good news. The resurrection is good news because it doesn't rely on me being good enough. It doesn't rely on my ability to play guitar or sing in worship. It doesn't rely on my behaviors. It just relies on me putting my faith in Jesus. So I want to ask you that question again that we asked at the beginning of this message. Do you believe in the resurrection? Have you accepted this gift? Do you want to accept this gift? You can live today in that same moment that the disciples lived in when they realized that Jesus was alive, the hope that they had, the joy that they had, that purpose and that direction that they had in their life. It was all restored in that moment when they saw that Jesus was alive and they chose to believe in the resurrection. The, the resurrection is the most important thing in the Christian faith. Without it, well, we're left with a pretty awful song and a pretty awful worship leader. Thank you. Thank you, Kit. When you put your faith in Jesus, I promise you, you'll experience a remarkable turn of direction in your life, in your circumstances, in your faith, in everything, because that's what happens when you meet life itself. That's what happens when you meet Jesus.